From Flourish DX, this is the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a critical issue for businesses, this is the source of information for creating sustainable and mentally healthy workplaces in Asia. Hi, my name is Wen Li Lim and I'm the Chief Impact Officer at Flourish DX and host of this podcast. So we really love this podcast to host conversations uh, and practical guidance from service providers, innovative tech platforms, practitioners, and employers in the Southeast Asian region. Um, so we really believe in taking a shared responsibility approach to workplace mental health. So not just as individuals, but as employers, colleagues, and the broader community uh, to create workplaces that are mentally healthy um, so that we can prevent suffering and promote human flourishing. So today I have um, a very special guest, and I know I say that every week, but actually I, oh, I can't have favorites, but we have Michael <laughs> Chia, the CEO of HealthServe here in Singapore. Welcome. Hi, hi, Ben. Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for being on. Um, just before this, we were talking about how busy the year is, and we're mm-hmm. re- only in February. Um, and so, only yeah. in February, yeah. And so maybe can you let us know, you know, what's your year been like so far? And then we'll kind of dive into what you do uh, and what is HealthServe. Wow. Uh, where, where do I start? <laughs> the, 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 year, the year started, I think, um, it started really well, I think. We know we had our Christmas, we had our New Year, we had our break, and then um, when the first week of January came, everything started running again, you know? So, uh, well, the, the reason is because, you know, health, at HealthServe, we, we provide a 24-7 crisis helpline. And it's always during the festive seasons that you get all types of calls. And uh, therefore, you know, there's a lot of requirement for us to just be available to, to those who need someone to talk to. So yeah, it, it, it became really packed and, um, and we're seeing more and more people coming to our clinics. We are seeing uh, people anxious to know how to maneuver through this season of work. Um, so maybe just an introduction about who HealthSurf is. So HealthSurf, we are a nonprofit organization. We provide medical care towards migrant workers low-wage migrant workers who work in Singapore. And uh, we've been doing this for over 15 years. And at HealthServe, we provide uh, medical care. We provide dental care, counseling. And of recent, we actually provide uh, a 24-7 crisis helpline dedicated for migrant workers to call us at any point of time should they need any help uh, from emotional uh, to financial to even just any work-related issues as well. So yeah, that's in essence who we are. Yeah, I love the work of HealthServe. Um, and I think for those who don't uh, know about you guys, like, I mean, what's the um, kind of the population, the demographics of these low-wage migrant workers working in Singapore? Yeah, majority of the low-wage migrant workers come from South Asian countries. Um, majority of them are from India, Bangladesh. Uh, we have a handful of uh, workers that come from the rest of the world, for example, like from China, Malaysia, Philippines, Vietnam, um, Myanmar as well. Uh, in, in Singapore, we have over 830 low-wage migrant workers working in Singapore. 830,000. 830,000. That, mm. That's right. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
it, it, it drops actually, to be honest with you. Uh, Pre-pandemic, we were closer to about 1 million. And the reason for the drop is really because of COVID-19. One of it is which job security. Second one is fear of the con uh, COVID-19. And some just needed to go home and to be with the loved ones and family. So um, just for the past two years, I think uh, we've seen a decline of numbers of workers working in Singapore. And um, out of the 830,000 workers working in Singapore, um, there's a, a group of workers that we focus on, which is under the construction, marine and process sector. Um, these are the people group that actually visits HealthServe more regularly than the other sectors. Um, and they, 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 they have nearly, I mean, they have nearly about 330,000 workers at the moment. Yeah. And the reason why we focus a lot on the construction, marine and process uh, sector is because these are the group of people that we believe have, um, in terms of their work, have higher, greater risk of exposure towards accidents and, and require rehabilitation or, or just need someone to be assisting them, you know, when there's a work injury. Yeah. So, mm. Well, it's amazing that, um, I mean, this service is, is provided free of charge to them um, mm -hmm. and you being a charity. Uh, and I know you work with a lot of volunteers um, and mm. which actually my husband and I, like we loved volunteering with HealthServe um, mm. during that time. I think it's not just the volunteering, but it's actually um, creating relationships and just meeting. Uh, and what we call them in Singapore is brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's such an interesting term. Like, you know, I walk past the one that um, uh, the group of guys that clean our block here and they're like, good morning, sister. Good morning, brother. And it's just such a beautiful community feel about this um, population who are so mm. isolated actually from their families. They're here actually for years mm. um, by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and most of them come because of their family. I mean, they, that's, that's the reason why they're here, right? I mean, they're really here to provide a better life for the families back home. They are here to really provide a future for either their younger brother um, or if they have a young child, it's, it's really just for the betterment of their families. And they spend years and years and years apart from the family. And that's, that's kind of uh, the sacrifice they make, actually, just to do so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, that, that's why kind of when we were, I was thinking about this podcast and just mentally healthy workplaces, mm. um, I was like, I have to have Michael on because when we talk about the workplace, it's not just the office worker sitting by a desk, you know, mm. in, a, in a beautiful commercial building. Like, like you said, there's like 800,000 um, of low-wage migrant um, workers in Singapore. Yeah. And so maybe we'll touch that as a first topic, you know, um, mm. Um, how is it like for these individuals working in, um, you know, in the construction, because that's where you predominantly deal with, and how does HealthServe then come in? And I know the 24-7 crisis hotline is available. Um, and that really started just last year, wasn't it? Um, to meet that gap, to meet that need. Yeah, yeah. We, we started our 24-7 crisis hotline uh, August last year. We launched it officially and, and within weeks we had, uh, yeah, hundreds of calls uh, and it, it was so we, we do see the great need um yeah uh well you know when when pandemic strike uh back in 2020 i think one of the key change that the workers had to 
to do was to isolate themselves. And I'm not sure if you recall, in Singapore, um, you know, due to the living conditions and, and the close uh, proximity, proximity with, with one another, um, the, the COVID-19 um, spread really rapidly amongst the workers. And therefore, they were kind of isolated. They were, they were actually quarantined off. Um, and most of them had to remain either in the dormitories, they were locked down in the dormitories, they were locked down in uh, either isolation facilities, or we, really, we have recently termed it as recovery facilities. Um, and that didn't really end for them. It still continues. Today, the workers still are subjected to a certain movement restrictions and they're not really uh, allowed to go out. One of the fear of the ministry is really that, you know, um, that the, the concern of having the spread occur again with amongst the workers, and which is a, is a relatively valid concern. Um, and therefore they want to provide a safety net bubble kind of thing to for the community living in the community. However, the unintended consequences of that was um, workers' emotional well-being really took a toll. You know, I remember, I remember the very first time when they were under lockdown, the very first week, they were really excited. They were saying, oh, wow, I get to rest. I don't have to work. I get paid. Uh, they were really excited and we thought, oh, sounds good, but we were quite sure they're going to be a bit worried after. And rightly enough, our second week when we went in um, and we did a town hall session with them, straight away they were really, there were anxious faces coming to us and say that, you know, what is this COVID-19? Will I die from it? Will What's going to happen to me? Uh, will the government take care of me? If, if I catch COVID, are they going to just send me home? Because there were a lot of false fake news spiraling mm. around. And because of that, we, we, um, we kind of uh, journeyed with the workers throughout, right? Explaining to them, giving them the right information the best we can, and then working with the Ministry of Manpower to, to share and provide the necessary information to every single worker. There were 800,000 of them. There were just so many. <laughs> so, yeah. And we, we just couldn't. Uh, and and uh, so what happened was during that time, um, uh, we noted that the emotional well-being really took a huge toll. Um, we realized too that... Um, the concerns was not only on their own safety and well-being, they were very worried for the family and loved ones back home because by then, uh, you know, the pandemic was all over the world. Um, so the state of being feeling helpless was is a very real thing. And I, I don't know whether many of us actually have ever felt this way. The, just the sense of receiving a call from back home uh, crying for help and then you are over at this country unable to do anything. And I recall I had a, a, a conversation with a young man before and the reason why he was brought to my attention was because one of the dorm operators noted that he hasn't been eating for the past three or four days. Mm. 
And we wondered about that. And, and so I, I, I met him. I just, you know, uh, we made an appointment. Uh, it wasn't easy to go into dormitories during those days, but yeah. a health surf were given with one of the privileged organizations that were able to do so. And we, we went in and with a translator beside me, we, we spoke to this brother. I said, what happened? Why aren't you eating? And he shared something like, how can I be eating when my family back home is starving? And, 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 and that struck me. I, I was taken aback. I was thinking, wow. And he said, my, my wife and my child have not eaten for a week. Uh, how, well, in Singapore, I have so much food. How could I eat? Uh, and and we, to be honest, we were, we were a little bit struck. We didn't know what to do. Mm. So we, but we counseled him, we encouraged him and said, you stay strong for your family. You stay healthy for your family. And I asked him, what is the one thing that you hope to do? What is the one thing that you want to do? And his request was, can I just go home? I just want to go and see my family. And, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a Singapore logical mind, it's just that, you know, in, if, you, if you're here, you can work, you can get money, you can still provide. But, um, but for him, family came first. So he, he's very aware that, you know, by going back home, he may, he will, he's going to lose his job. He's likely not be able to find many jobs at home, but he felt that he needed to be with his wife and his child. Uh, and his uh, elderly parents. So, so he he, and <laughs> I recall during that period of time, uh, it was one of the hardest thing to do to send someone home because countries were under lockdown. There were yeah. limited flights. But I was very thankful for some of the partnership we had with Ministry of Manpower. We actually managed to send him home. Mm. Um, though it was about two to three weeks later, but we did manage to get him home. Yeah. And I remember the moment he went home, he actually sent a photo of his family and him. Just to yeah. say that I've reached home, I'm safe, uh, and thank you. And that was it, you know. Um, so I was thinking about the mental and emotional well-being of workers today. Um, it, it is a real thing. Uh, they're trying to manage it as best as they can. Workers are very resilient people. I mean, they, they are willing to let go of many things. They're willing to sacrifice many things to be able to come here. So they are very resilient. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not taken any toll on them. Yeah, yeah I think it's everyone's been pushed to the limit, um, hmm. even for you know the most of resilient people. Um, in that kind of recollection that you just said, I love that the dormitory operator took notice. Hmm. Um, and so really, you know, workplaces are all about a community and that if, if they didn't notice that individual, like he would have just, you know, kind of really suffered alone and it would have been really, really bad. But the fact that, you know, I, I love hearing that HealthServe works with um, the Ministry of Manpower, uh, with the dorm operators, it really takes a whole community to keep each other well. Um, it's yeah. such a difficult <laughs> time. And even though... Now, a lot of people are able to travel, you know, it's a lot more freer, but we always forget that there's still a very large group of people who are not enjoying the same freedoms and are still going through a really difficult time. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for the work that HealthServe continues to do. Um, 
for those that went Singapore in the last or in Asia in the last couple of years, um, migrant workers and um, low wage workers were really, really big um, in terms of uh, awareness and people wanting to help. I'm sure HealthServe and other nonprofits <laughs> in this area were inundated with volunteers. Yeah. But as time moves on, uh, one of the things that we forget very quickly as well. Um, so I really wanted to use this opportunity and this podcast to highlight again um, that in our community, we still need to, you know, plug, that, plug those gaps. There mm. are still um, a lot of people who need help. Um, but in helping as well, um, your own staff and your own well-being um, – would have been it would, be, would have been a difficult time. So, um, I remember speaking to you. I think about six months ago, uh, mm-hmm. just about yeah, mental health at your workplace. So, how has that been for your team? Um, seeing the enormous need of these, you know, there's eight hundred thousand of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. How has that been in managing your team and your volunteers? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm really, really proud, thankful for the team. Uh, they. they yeah, they, they, they look really rock to me. But what, what, when, when the pandemic uh, struck, when people were just running away from the uh, COVID-19, our team actually raised up their hands and said, can we go in? Because, you know, the need was so great. And, and I think um, because, because they saw the need on the ground, um, all of them just just roll up their sleeves. It doesn't really matter where what position you're holding. You could be holding a back-end position like a finance person and yet doing front-end stuff in the dormitory, running around together because the need was just so great. And we carried on that way for a good one year, I think in 2020. In 2021, things slowed down a little bit. Um, we were able to normalize uh, to somewhat and we kind of adjusted back to some form of normalcy where it, what it means is that the team went back to uh, what they were, you know, why they were here for. So example, the backend office started resuming the backend work. We had the volunteer management team, the, and then the front social workers the, the, and all those things. And... Um, yeah, as we, we mentioned, we, 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 were, we were worried about burnout because our team was, uh, when they went back to the work that they used to do, they continued, you know, um, advocating, they continued just running the gr- on the ground as well on weekends and, and the likes. Um, and, and, you know, people who generally work in nonprofit organizations who are just passionate about the thing. So we, 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 we look at, at the work and we say, wow, we can't, we can't let them go without any help. So, and, and we were worried about the, and I, I was worried about our team. Uh, I was worried for burnout. I was worried for um, how they were feeling, uh, especially if you keep hearing uh, negative news or stories and it does have an impact on the person. And we did, uh, so therefore we actually did uh, a, survey, we did a survey uh, about the, our team's well-being, just to know how they are, um, how they feel that we can be of a support, how we can, as management team, come alongside to bring support or relief. Um, yeah, and, and I think it, 
we were quite surprised with actually our survey. Uh, majority of them felt that uh, it was, they are okay, they are able to manage, tired, but there was percentage uh, of, of our team members actually felt burnout. One actually felt depressed because of the circumstances surrounding them. Um, so we, we, we took we took immediate actions. I mean, we, we did. Yeah, so, you need to, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and talking to you and during that time, we were just having our chat, right, about how important this is going to be and how important this is. Um, we actually, we, we did take intentional steps to remind everyone to pace ourselves. We know that we can't slow down very much in a sense that the work is always there, but we need to pace ourselves. Yeah. We need to then, uh, we actually set up a care bear team. <laughs> oh, I love the yeah. name. I used to love care bears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it you know, it tells the age. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> So uh, we, we had our first care bear team from our own staff team and then they, they tried to do things internally. So we, we tried to do as much as we can, to be honest with you. It's, it's not ideal with the current circumstances and limitations right now, but we try to have a stronger um, engagement with the team. Mm. Not just about work, yes. more about who you are as a person, how, how is life? How, how are you outside work? You know, are you coping well? And um, we really uh, wish for every single team members and, 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 and hopefully to be able to support every single team member um, in every aspect of what they are going through from, from family uh, concerns to, yeah, if, to just um, sometimes even financial concerns. Um, so give an example, we do have team members who are working in India, uh, whose families live in India. And um, because of, and, and the, her elderly parents were very unwell and she requested, can I just go back for a few months? But I don't wish to stop working. So actually we, we, we enabled that, we allowed her to go back. She's now in India. Um, and some of our team members felt that, you know, the current work that I've been doing is just so, it's been wonderful, but it's tiring and I, I just need a break. Yeah. So we, we actually gave some of them a few days off, or a week or two, mm. um, and, and just to just recover. recuperate. Yeah. Recuperate, exactly. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. Um, actually, yesterday, um, while you're talking, it reminded me of um, a podcast. Actually, we have another one in Canada. Mm. And they were talking actually about a term called psychological PPE. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. And she talked about micro practices actually for people working in quite traumatic situations. I mean, when you're on the other um, end of the hotline or when you're um, yeah, constantly, um, you know, dealing with cases and uh, in terms of people coming to you, um, there is a lot of uh, like kind of protection yourself that you need to have in place. Um, mm. So actually I'll, I'll put it on the notes of this podcast, but I'll send it to you um, because okay. it might be very helpful to actually, sometimes it's the terminology and the, uh, the framework, right? But it's right. actually just more practices of how you do you kind of decompress, 
um, and keep yourself safe from a psychological point of view um, in doing the work. Because um, and th- th- that um, episode talked about compassion fatigue and these kind of concepts where, like you said, people working in the nonprofit world, it's all heart, right? <laughs> and it's and I've been there as well because, you know, the stories and just hearing, you know, what they're going through, it mm-hmm. does affect you. Yeah. Um, and so then how, how do you process it and how do you also switch off and draw and in a way have boundaries to keep yourself healthy? Mm. Um, so I think that that specific um, episode, I think super helpful actually for anyone listening and you do work in, you know, the nonprofit space um, or, you know, uh, caregiving um, or in the social service sector. Um, I mm. thought it was very, very helpful. Um and just thought I'd share it. So I guess like, you know, the work is incredibly, like, I mean, there's a big road ahead. Like we mm-hmm. are not even through it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though on the surface, it could seem that way. Um, <laughs> so what is your hopes for the future of healthy and mentally healthy workplaces? Um, and for the, maybe we'll start with the group that you work with, that you serve, um, your clients and beneficiaries. And also then we'll talk about the nonprofit sector um, in terms of how do you, how would you see just workplaces improve to help take care of each other? Right. Okay. Um, you know, like Bradley pointed out, it, it really takes a community to really support one another. Um, yeah, I, my, my dream has always been allowing the workers to really being able to integrate into our society, in, integrate well. Uh, I like a term that someone says they're not a part of us, they're really part of us. Um, and I think that has, it's still work in progress towards that area, right? And I think it, as long as we are able to uh, really allow them to have the same level of, uh, you know, we, we don't even need big things. We just need to allow them to uh, experience the uh, same um, privileges of, of what the, the residents, other residents here receives. I think that's a very big step towards supporting uh, the community of the migrant workers living in Singapore, I feel. I would, I would like to say that, you know, the, the community within um, migrant workers, there are always a bunch who feel in their own words, they feel that they are uh, alienated. They feel that they're always sidelines. Um, they know that they are not uh, necessarily going to be, you know, given the first priorities of many things, which is a sad thing, but that's how they, and they have accepted that fact. Mm. But I think um, it's, bad, it's, it's not necessarily right. So I think it's good for us to, if where possible, uh, I would really love to see, you know, in future how a society can really have an integrative society, a, a, a society that's compassionate to one another. You have heard about stories of how workers uh, cared for an elderly in Singapore, crossing the street, uh, pushing cars that was, you know, stalled and things like that. Um, you have never heard of Singaporeans, or many of them are rich, uh, on the other way around. So I, I think if as we can grow and develop, I would really love to see this. Um, and in, in, in workplaces, in NGOs, it's been known, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware that there's this term of mass resignation. And yeah, it's a, the it great happens. resignation. Yeah. 
it's happening amongst the people working in nonprofit. I, and, and understandably so. I think um, people working there are generally burnt out. And I think this is important for every single one of us that this is not just uh, one organization uh, work. Um, I think as the community needs continue to, uh, will, will continue to be there, I think uh, it's important for us to really have avenues of help. To be honest with you, um, we are setting up in HealthServe. Uh, we, 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 we are very intentional in, in seeking out uh, a pastoral ministry for the team. We actually provide counseling, uh, a person they can turn to for counseling sessions should they need. Um, and I think and the team members' feedback has been very helpful. I think we are also now trying to be more intentional in terms of like, you know, uh, having a day off for every single team member. So what we have learned is that even though if you take leave, just to take a day away because everyone else is still working, you tend to just go back to work because it's just so easy. You just pick up a phone and you see a WhatsApp or what email and the like, and then you just respond to it and you get sucked into it. And um, last year, HealthServe, we actually <laughs> implemented something called, uh, yeah, everyone's rest day. So we shut the whole organization down for just one day. So everyone, no emails, no WhatsApp. You don't talk about work for just one day. Uh, and just so that we can have one day of reset before we start again. I think those are small things that we do. Um, I've yeah. heard of other organizations uh, doing a lot of other things. And I think, you know, as we said about community, I think it's high time for NGO communities to come together to just provide support to each other. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. that, that could be a great thing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I mean, in other countries, I know back home um, in Australia um, that every yeah caseworker has like once, uh, I think an hour of counselling um, that's mm. paid for by the organisation and it's structured in. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't think it's even optional in, in a way. Like, you mm. know, it's, it's very common practice that everyone will go there because, um, yeah, they also need an outlet. Um, and a safe environment um, to unload and just to process things themselves. Um, yeah. So I'm really glad to hear that that is um, something that HealthSoft is doing. Um, and yes, it's always coming back to the community about how can we help each other. But I think sometimes it's actually knowing the need. Mm. Uh, I, I, I did feel that during the height of the pandemic where we knew the need, like mm. migrant workers, like really, really struggling. Everyone stepped up. And so I guess it's like keeping that in the headlines in a way, yeah. uh, keeping that front of mind and what are the needs? Because if people know, then um, people will go there. So I'm going to give this airtime right now. What does HealthServe need? Um, if, if people are listening and say, <laughs> how can I help? Um, what help do you need at um, HealthServe or just in the broader work of serving the um, migrant worker community? Yeah. You know, uh the needs are always great and plentiful. Um, for one, I think even just caring for our team members, no, no, nobody really, I'm very thankful that there are one or two volunteers who actually bake cakes for us, you know, just to thank 
the team for just serving alongside. I thought that was really lovely. Um, but to, to, to be an avenue of help to our team members has been lacking. Um, it, yeah, I, again, as I said, there, there are many of us who are actually quite tired. Some are reaching burnout. So it's, it's been great. Um, and it was our beneficiaries. I mean, um, we still need a, a lot of volunteers for our helpline callers. So if you are available, uh, our crisis helpline uh, still requires a few volunteers. Um, our medical clinic requires quite a fair bit of help as well. Every day, uh, we need to turn nearly 20 to 30% of workers away. So uh, this is because we have limited volunteer resources um, serving alongside with us. Um, and we have to have, we have to intentionally cut off the number of patients we can see. If not, you know, our clinic will just go through the night and then our volunteers will be burned out. But in doing so, we actually turn maybe 20 to 30 workers away every night. And uh, these are people who need help, seeking for help. So we're hoping to open additional days. Um, we used to open five days a week because of the pandemic, we have reduced it to three days a week. And um, looking at the needs, we are, I'm really hoping to start our fourth session sometime this year. Um, yeah, so those are the, the, just uh, some of the basic needs. And, and one of the great needs, uh, if you are counseling trained, and if you are able to speak, you know, be it Tamil um, or any other languages, uh, Tagalog or, or Burmese or Thai, any language that you have, we, we are going dorm to dorms, training, equipping, teaching people about um, well-being. Now, um, and, and when we, we will actually be tapping on Ernie on some of the things because we're okay. talking about back care, you know, about oh, yes. physical back care. And <laughs> I'm going to volunteer him. It's a yes now. So Ernie's my husband, who's a physio. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and you know what? Those are very important things that we think of that's needed. The, the three most important uh, uh, common response that we hear from the workers are backache, gastric issues, and then the third one is they have gum diseases. So these are the three very common things we hear from the, the workers. And, and we often ask, how do you, so what treatment do you do? He says, well, I just eat Panadol and hope for the best. So and that, that, is, that has been uh, what we are trying to do is that we're trying to go and teach them about how, they, how do you first find healing? And if you are well, how do you prevent from yes. you know, getting yeah, so. preventative work is the best form mm -hmm. um, because, yeah, once, I mean, we have seen some of these injured workers and it mm -hmm. has a big toll on your mental health. If you're mm -hmm. unable to work um, and the full reason why you're in Singapore is yeah. to work and send money back, it's a downward spiral. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if we can, yeah, equip people to know how to take care of themselves um, physically and mentally um, yeah. and avoid that, actually, you know, Hopefully you don't have to open four days, five days, six days a week. If yeah, exactly. we do more of the upstream and prevention work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. And so maybe um, to you personally, I mean, you running this organization, dealing with all the volunteers, how do you stay kind of mentally healthy and to, yeah, to stay well? Uh, well, thankful, 
uh, for for support. Actually, I have, uh, I'm thankful for my family. While my wife supports the work that I do uh, quite significantly, and that that kind of help. So um, I think for me, I'm very intentional in carving out time. Um, so if I don't meet that, if I, I need to take away that window, I'll make sure I'll replace it on another day within the same week. Um, so my, my, my Saturday evenings and my Sunday mornings are, are blocked away for self. And, um, and that, that is the time that I'll take it to spend with families or just hang out with some friends, whatever that I need to do just to recharge. And if I need to run an event on that particular weekend, I'll ensure that I do my day off or whatever it is on my weekdays. Um, that has helped me keep safe to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I think just being open and able to share with and having people to come alongside, that has helped me significantly as well. So I'm very thankful for good, you know, uh, um, my wife who's always there, but I also have friends, uh, colleagues who are actually able to just share with us, uh, with me about, uh, and me sharing what are the concerns and fears and, and the dreams that we have. And, and uh, so I guess that has helped me kept seeing mm. oh yeah because i mean i've seen you guys work and just you know the demands uh in the last two years i mean i think if you thought you were busy before the pandemic it's like not even close um yeah. but no thank you so much for the work that um HealthServe does um and you know i'm one of your biggest advocate in terms of oh you know how can we get more people on board um to help and to work together as a community um because I mean, for the um, listeners as well, like during that time, I actually got involved to set up a um, op shop um, <laughs> yeah. because the the workers were going into these uh, recovery centers and they didn't have any clothes or much clothes with them. Because as soon as they were, yeah, uh, picked up as positive, they were whisked away. And so, um, you mean, I, I love clothes and fashion. And so it was like combining all my loves and like um, setting up this shop and, during that process, really getting to know some of the um, brothers as people and hearing their stories. And so I guess that's like the first step, right? You know, is to create community, to um, to hear their stories, to make them feel included. Um, and that would be my hope as well. You know, there's so many of them who spent, I, I met some of them like 10, 13, 20 years in Singapore. Mm. It's not like they're just coming by, you know, doing a short stint. Mm. Um, they're really part of our local fabric here. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, in any way that we can help, um, please let us know. And I volunteer up Ernie, um, and any of my friends <laughs> to be able to help. Um, so thank you so much um, for your time. And I know that what you're doing in terms of trying to improve the workplaces and continuing discussions with the ministry of manpower, um, to really improve the working conditions of these brothers and, um, and then being a source of help. Um, so unfortunately, um, there will still be the gaps and people will need um, to reach out to a crisis support. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you so much for doing that. And yeah, I would love to hear, um, you know, hopefully a year from now that things have improved for, um, mm. you know, the nonprofit sector and uh, the, you know, construction sites and, you know, the physical work that we can do more preventative work in the space mm. um, and get them access to help. 
um, and yeah, and to get more community members still involved in it um, and that it's not a forgotten 2020, you know, kind of effort. Um, yeah, it's, it's a long game, but hopefully year by year, it just keeps improving. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time on here as well. Um, and for those people, you know, who want to, you know, reach out to HealthServe, you know, you can get them through the website. I think there must be volunteer forms and mm -hmm. um, how to get involved on there. Mm -hmm. um, but thank you for being on the podcast. And for those who listen uh, in, you know, um, just subscribe uh, on our podcast LinkedIn page and stay up to date with upcoming guests. Um, and you can also um, follow Flourish DX on LinkedIn if you'd like to see a short clip of this conversation or a video version on the YouTube page of Flourish DX. And please con uh, connect with uh, Michael and myself on LinkedIn if you'd like to continue the conversation, get involved. Um, and so thank you for listening in and just wishing you all a really great day and I will see you at the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in Asia, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com.